92.5 Triple M Gold Breakfast with Flan, Ellie and Spider. We're back January 15th and all summer you can take us with you on our most requested. Yeah, and one of the great parts of the year. Throughout the year we had our person of interest segment. Those people who have amazing, incredible life stories to tell. Well, welcome to Person of Interest. And when you invite a senior police officer to be on our segment, Person of Interest, it has a different meaning, Gene Kerr. Sure does. Uh, I think I'm going to walk out of here in handcuffs and uh, need a lawyer. <laughs> so you, you refer to suspects as persons of interest, yeah? Well, yeah, this is probably the best watch house I've ever seen, but it's still... <laughs> I hope the food's good. Just so that we can remind everybody on what you had to take on. In this town 50 years ago, there was a, a huge bust up between bikies and then a task force was assigned to look after this whole area. Just have a little listen to this moment in your history, Jimmy. Under siege and completely outnumbered, brave police officers desperately try to stay in control. Angry bikies on the attack, fueled by a hatred of authority and a pack mob mentality. Hmm. How do you feel listening back to that now? Look, it's still uh, it's still pretty chilling, isn't it? You know, it is to uh, me. Um, the encounter that took place in the public arena of the Broadbeach Mall uh, it was a horrible situation, and uh, yeah, it's still still the same. Well, for those that don't know, and you know, when you just read back over, because it was ten years ago now. Around 50 gang members led by uh, Jacques Timo uh, walked from their clubhouse in full colours, climbed on their bikes and set off to have this massive brawl. I mean, 50 gang members. How many police officers were there at the scene to to sort of sort this situation? Yeah, certainly it was something that was unplanned as far as police intelligence goes. So there was very few police. There was only a handful of police on their normal beat duty at the time, certainly outnumbered, and they... The bikies weren't going to back off, but equally as tenacious or more brave, the coppers stood the dig, drew the line on the bitumen. This had spilled over from the earlier days in the uh, ballroom blitz uh, during the big kickboxing fight out there, Fink's territory, down comes the Hells Angels, so it blows up. The turf war had really taken a foothold. You know, it was always going to be what it was going to be. Were there threats against your life? Yeah, there was. Yeah. How many times did you get told someone was going to kill you? Oh, numerous. And that was generally by the staff. No. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, look, there were certainly the threats there and we didn't know it was really good. Who was going to be the biggest gun? And they thought we were all just basically full of bluff and crap. But when the doors started to come down in the clubhouses, clubhouses were getting shattered, the bikies were getting dragged off the street, dragged out of licensed premises – yeah, things started to really resonate with them then. They're like, this is for keeps. How many officers did you have under you at that time to try, well, clean up the streets to what we've got now? Started with 50, and we actually started as Task Force Take Back at Southport. We had temporary digs there. We blossomed to 100, given secure premises down at Varsity, yeah. given all the equipment that we needed to actually do the job. And that was part of the reason that I came back. I didn't want to be... What we see now is political rhetoric about, you know, we've got the toughest laws in the state, we've got this and we've got that. Well, if your statistics don't support it, you simply haven't got the laws. So I didn't want to be a party uh, to that, so uh, the government ponied up the right laws. Uh, Did any of those threats materialise? No. No, I did have some damage to 
a car that was attributed to the bikies. Okay. So uh, we look, we had dialogue along the way, and uh, <laughs> so is that a polite way to put it? Uh, yeah. Look, uh, <laughs> I think one of the big things was when the TV show came along. It was Gold Coast uh, Cops. Yeah. Well, they didn't want to see the door getting splintered down and them caught in their underwear or in a compromising position. So, look, I think they knew what was coming. Jim, most of us have zero experience when it comes to bikies. I would love to know whether if there's anything you actually admire or respect about those gangs and the way they live or conduct themselves. I mean... What they do have is a very good business plan and a business model. They have a hierarchical structure from the president down, an enforcer and the sergeant at arms, and certainly they're quite smart commercially. They know the drug trade. They know it backwards. You're looking at it now. They're not as around as we see them each and every day, but they're still there. Undoubtedly. Look at the shooting up at Pimpermar. 21 shots fired into uh, Mr Bowden there. Again, one of our homegrown locals. And then we've got the two homicides of the bikies at uh, West Burley. You know, these are... Uh, uh, basically assassinations, and so to say they're not there is Phil Hardy a little bit more uh, covert maybe, yeah. Ten years on, Jim, would you, in hindsight, is there anything you would have done differently? No, and the reason I say that is the community confidence in the police then grew to around 70%. To be quite honest with our raging juvenile crime problem, there's a lot to learn from effective legislation of the years gone by. You did feel safe as soon as you guys were here. Yeah, absolutely. As a, as a town and somebody who was in town at that time. Jim Keogh, thank you very much. Our person of interest. Thanks, guys. Presenting the one, the only. 92.5 Triple M Gold Breakfast with Flan, Ellie and Spider. We're back Jan 15th Gold Coast. And don't forget to catch us on Listener everywhere you go this summer.